Good morning. I wanted to start off by asking you all a question. Was there ever a time in your life when you were waiting for something that you wanted so badly? And you wanted it so badly that it was almost like, God, if you give me this thing, I'm going to be so happy that whenever I die, because you gave me this thing, I'm going to die a happy man or a happy woman. Anyone want something like that so badly? Well, um, 15 years ago, that was me. I uh, fell in love with a woman who is in my Bible study. And in one uh, vulnerable point uh, in that journey, I confessed my feelings before my Bible study leader, who at the time was reading a book that he really enjoyed, written by Joshua Harris called, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And he started to proceed to advise me to also kiss dating goodbye. And I I didn't like it. I actually wanted to kiss Raina hello, right? And so I I was struggling, but I figured, well, he's my Bible study leader, and I'm in his Bible study, so I'm going to submit to his rules. And so I waited And I was just building friendship, and I was waiting, and I was aching, and I was longing. And there was was a night during this time when I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep because I was thinking about Raina, right? And so I didn't know what to do. And so I grabbed a piece of paper and a pen, and I wrote a poem. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm going to read that poem to you. Now, some parts I'm leaving out, but this part I'm leaving in, okay? And so it's titled Sleepless Night, okay? Here it goes. Okay, here's a, here's a moment of vulnerability. Wow, okay. When I think of Raina, I yearn to be with her. And now I'm finding it hard to sleep She is constantly on my mind. But I am experienced in matters of love. I am not really sure how to go about courting you. And how can you not know, Reina? How can you not sense how I feel? I'm running out of indirect ways to show you. And now, shall I wait? Shall I fester some more? Or shall I court and woo? Like a hunter in the woods. (laughs) This is awesome stuff, right? I mean, you guys are like melting, right? 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 Raina, I must confess, you are the reason for my temporary breach of sanity. Woo! That's, That's some good stuff, right? That's some good stuff. You guys were impressed, right? You're like, you should publish that, Andrew. You should copyright that. Now, okay, some of you are like, okay, maybe you think that's a little bit cheesy, but I was a man in love. You know, I just felt like, I, I felt like I was half a man 
and I needed this woman to complete me. It was so deep inside. Um, I, I was sharing this uh, last Sunday, and I'm still in the same place. Um, I, I'm somewhere like where I used to be actually 15 years ago. And what happened is that for the last 12 days, Reina and the kids are in Hong Kong. So I've been like, you know, the bachelor pastor, right? And I got to tell you, week number one was not bad. It was actually pretty, pretty okay. And I had like a rally cry. And every morning I wake up and go, redeem the time, right? And so this is what I would do. I would, I would memorize scripture. That was awesome. And I would hang out with people. That was really cool. And I would go to the gym every day. I mean, you, you guys, you can tell, right? I went to the gym every day, right? And then week number two rolled around. And week number two rolled around. And I'm like, I'm tired of going to the gym every day. Like, what's the good? What's the good in bulging muscles if my wife can enjoy it? You know, what's the good? And so I started just to count down the days, honestly. Is counting down the days, and, uh, you know, I just, I, today, actually, I'm flying for Hong Kong, and I, I woke up with a big old smile on my face, you know, I miss my wife. I really miss my wife. You know, it was funny, because uh, about uh, 10 days ago, I was going to talk about something else today, and I felt like God was saying to me one of the mornings, um, you know, this way that you're feeling about Reina, I-, I want you to talk about that to the church and tell the church that that is actually how we are supposed to feel about Jesus. That, that right before Jesus left, he gave us this promise, his people, he gave us this promise that he was going to come back. And so God's people are in this place of waiting. And during that waiting, there's aching and longing. Like, I'm just, I'm counting down the days. Jesus, when are you going to come back? Because then we'll be complete. We just can't wait. And and that's supposed to be the disposition of our hearts. And I feel like God wanted me to to talk about that today. I have a buddy who mentors me in preaching. And one of the things that he says is that every message should be the answer to some kind of problem. Just like every letter in the the Bible in the New Testament is really an answer to some kind of problem that was happening in a local community. So I was thinking, okay, this is the message. I think I kind of know what the problem is. And it's not just a problem that we have in our church. I think it's actually a problem that's in the American church as a whole. In fact, I would even say that this is one of our greatest problems. And in 2016, I'm going to talk about this same problem, but in different ways, but it's the same problem. And the problem is as simply said as lack of hunger. That's our fundamental problem. We're not hungry. And... Put it, put it like this. We live in the Bay Area. What's the best thing about living in the Bay Area? The best thing about living in the Bay Area is we have the comfort of the world at our fingertips. That's, okay, and then what's the worst thing about living in the Bay Area? Well, it's the, we have the comfort of the world at our fingertips. And normally, 
comfortable people feel like they don't need Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm not saying that comfort is a bad thing. Comfort, comfort is a gift. Family is a gift. But there's a difference between a good gift and an ultimate one. Now, let me try to give you an example. Um, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to look around the room and I'd like you to nominate who you think is like the hungriest man in the room, okay? And someone whom we uh, could have fun teasing, you know? But who do you think has a reputation of eating like vast quantities of food? Like, who do you think that might be? Just like, you can nominate anyone you want. You can look around, you can touch someone, you can elbow them, you know. You can have them stand up and just, you know, and just... Daniel! This is like an annual tradition that on Christmas, you're the illustration. Thank you. You didn't ask me this year, though. <coughs> Would you be? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> now, this, this man, has, he does have a reputation, but I just want to tell you, it is well-deserved. He came over to my house spontaneously cleaned out half of my kitchen. I made some ramen gloop, and it was awful. He ate all of it and wanted more. This man is amazing. Some people eat for life, for living. But Daniel eats for vengeance. <laughs> is that right, Daniel? Uh, one last one, last one. Listen to him. Okay, Daniel, I want you to know, is a serious man of the scripture. He loves the scripture, especially when Paul talks about buffeting his body, and Daniel has taken that very seriously. Okay, I'm done. All right. Actually, no, no, no. Can you come here, right here? Now, now, this is what I want to point out. I want to point out there, there is two forms of hunger, okay? There is, <coughs> there is stomach hungry, right? Let me hear you guys say stomach hungry. And then there is soul hungry. Let me hear you guys say soul hungry. Okay, no, here's stomach hunger can be satisfied with good things like good food, right? And, and soul hunger can only be satisfied ultimately with ultimate gifts, ultimate gift, right? So we got, we got stomach hunger, we got soul hunger, different things can actually satisfy these things. But here's, here's the thing, here's the thing. Okay, the world goes, you know, I got an answer for hunger, the world says, we have an answer for hunger. And, and here is the answer in this bag. It's a Mickey D bag, right? And inside the Mickey D is this glorious, almighty Egg McMuffin. Can I hear an amen? amen. Yes. This, the world promises, will satisfy soul hunger. It's beautiful. It's glorious. It's wonderful. And, and here inside is like family, relationships, and career, and advancement, the corner office, and getting the house, and the car, and, and, you know, getting all these really, the comfort, and all, it's right here in this oily goodness, and it promises to satisfy your soul. Now, here's the crazy thing. The crazy thing is that people actually fall for this. They actually believe it can satisfy soul hunger. They actually believe it. 
And so even Christians, our lives are about the glorious McMuffin, and it's all about this, and vacation, and good food, and all this stuff, and it's supposed to satisfy the soul. You can sit down. Thank you, Daniel. We'll pick on you again next year. Now, now here's the thing. When people are all about the egg McMuffin and they're stuffing themselves with the good things of this world that are meant to be good things, but then when the ultimate person comes, we're not ready because we got our eye on the good thing. And when we're not ready, when the ultimate person comes, Jesus comes, I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's embarrassing. Actually, it's more than embarrassing. It's way more than just embarrassing. Now, my heart is I don't want anyone in our church, anyone in our community, to not be ready, but to have a heart that's hungry for the ultimate person. You know, who are willing to to drop the Egg McMuffin because we got something far better in Jesus. And so we got to be ready. Now, if you look in Luke 2, actually, I would say, if there is going to be a guy that's going to teach us to be hungry, man, I think Simeon's the guy. And I think he's got at least three things to teach us about being hungry. And not just being hungry, but staying hungry for the ultimate thing, for the ultimate purpose, for why we're around. So uh, you can turn in your Bibles to Luke 2. But Brian did a great job of reading it. So we're just going to pick up where he left off. Now let's talk about Simeon. In verse 25, there's a very telling verse. And in verse 25, it talks about the disposition of Simeon's heart. And it says that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Simeon was waiting. Now, there's not a lot of words to describe uh, Simeon. But one of the few words that describe him is that he was a man who was hungry. He was waiting. There was aching and there was longing in his heart. Now, first thing he teaches us about how to be hungry and stay hungry, and I want you guys to repeat this word, it's holy discontent. Let me hear you guys say that. Holy discontent. Simeon had this in a bad way. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Okay, what was going on with Israel during the time? Israel was under the boot of Rome. Israel was under the boot of Rome. Rome had conquered Israel. Rome was in charge. They installed their puppet kings. Their puppet kings were bloodthirsty, violent, immoral men. And they were ruling the country. And added on to that, I'll just give you little snapshots. Like in, in the, uh, the highway in Israel, if you will, they would put crosses of Jewish rebels and men and women who, who, were, who were hung out to suffocate on these crosses. And they would leave their bodies there as like a little billboard to the whole Isra- uh, world of Israel to let them know who's in charge and this is what happens when people fall out of line with Rome. And Simeon is here, and he sees all this, and he is sick of it. He's like, I am done with Rome. I'm done with how broken this world is. I want change. 
And I want the only person who can bring that change. I want that person to come. I'm waiting for that person to come. You know what he had? He had a holy sense of discontent. Do you have the same thing? You turn on the news and you hear about what's happening in Syria. And and you feel like, you know, that's not right. I mean, all these refugees, and, and they, they're looking for a new home, and, and the, the leadership, and how selfish and, and evil and cruel. You go, that's not right. You know, not long ago, uh, we were talking about how 1.5 billion people in the world will live and die and never hear of Jesus. And we talked about where they're heading. And isn't there a part of you that's like, that is not right. Something needs to be done about that. That is what Simeon had. He had holy discontent. He saw the broken world and he, you know, he didn't want to be like distracted with all these illusions of comfort. He's like, that's not right. And I want the only person who can fix it. So Simeon was hungry and he was discontented. So what do you think holy and discontented people do? Well, the first thing is they are filled with holy discontent. But there's a second thing I think that Simeon would do to not just be hungry, but to stay hungry. And it's there in the scripture, but you kind of have to read between the lines. It's definitely there. It's not obvious. But there's something that Simeon would do, I believe, on a regular basis that kept him hungry. And I think what he did is he would meditate on scripture. Now, how do I know that? How do I know that this hungry person would meditate on Scripture? Well, it's like all his life, he was waiting for this moment. And then when the moment came, and it kind of it surprised him, you know. But when the moment came, no one goes, oh, the moment of my life is here. Uh, what Scripture can I quote that would really express the wonderfulness of this, uh, this uh, and what I'm feeling? No one does that. You know what they do when that moment arrives and just comes? Whatever is here just comes out. Now, what was inside here and here for Simeon? No, the scripture. How do I know that? Because we know what he said. And if you read what he said, there are phrases that come straight from the word of God. Seems to me that this man would meditate on the scripture. So here's something really uh, super practical for us. Like come Monday morning, if you want to be a hungry person, It doesn't settle for lesser pleasures. Well, how about meditating on Scripture? And you could start with Psalm 63. I've been meditating on that while my family's away. I got to tell you, meditating on God's Word is the one thing that's kept me focused during this time. That's kept me hungry. Meditating on God's Word. So what would Simeon do that made him hungry? Well, number one... There was a sense of holy discontent. Number two, he would meditate on God's word. And then number three, he refused to settle for good things when he could have ultimate things. So let me fill out this story. There's one day I think that Simeon was, he was meditating on the scripture. And then as he was meditating on the scripture, I believe it was going to be Isaiah that he was meditating on. And in Isaiah, Isaiah is talking about this redeemer that's coming, this Christ, this anointed one. And he's meditating on that. And then in a still small voice, he clearly hears the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit was probably saying something like, you know this person who's going to bring about this change? You know this person who's going to fix this broken world? He's the Christ, and you are going to see him before you die. Well, I want you to think about this. Here's a hungry man. He already came hungry. And when God whispered this to him, I bet you he became even more hungry. Now, I wonder, from the time he heard that to the time he actually saw the baby Jesus with his own eyes, how, how long apart do you think the, those times were? How much space of time occurred between this one thing where he heard God and the actual uh, seeing baby Jesus with his own eyes? Do you think it might have been months? I think it's probably more than months. Do you think it might have been years? Maybe more than years. Do you think it was a decade? Maybe it was many decades of waiting and longing and aching. And you've got to wonder, if someone's waiting that long, do you think there are days where he was just tired of waiting? Do you think there was days where you felt like, I'm waiting for this ultimate thing, and all these good things are just passing by? I wonder if Simeon was married. Do you have, like, honeydews on the weekend? I wonder if he had kids, would he, would he go to like soccer practice and soccer games on the weekend and stuff? I wonder if, you know, did he have a house? Did he, did he want to upgrade? Was he a businessman? Did he care about career advancement? I wonder if there were ever moments where he was tempted to say, you know, I've been waiting to wait. Forget this person that's coming. I'm just going to get lost in all these good things of life, you know? I wonder if he ever was tempted to compromise and not wait for the ultimate thing. Now, we know this. He didn't compromise. We know this about Simeon. He said, ultimate thing can only be fulfilled by ultimate person. Soul hunger can only be filled by this guy. I'm waiting for this guy. I am not going to get lost in all the good things of life. Ultimate thing is going to be ultimate thing. What about you guys? Are we lost in the good gifts? Are we consumed by the good gifts as if they're ultimate things? Are we hungry for the ultimate person? Simeon is an amazing example of what it looks like to be wholly discontented, meditating on the scripture, and refusing to settle for good things and yearning for ultimate things. Now, I want to give you a picture of what this looks like. Um, I, I was thinking, like, are there illustrations in our world that, that kind of um, shows the, the, the dynamic of what it looks like to just be waiting for someone and just be so hungry and just like refusing to compromise. And I did find actually uh, three stories and two videos on the internet. And uh, I want to show you the first video. And it is a beautiful picture of what it looks like to be hungry for someone and to just wait for them, to refuse to compromise. You know, the, the purest forms of, of inspiration and illustration, they, they come in um, different forms. And there's, there's Simeon. And then here's this little girl, and she's beautifully illustrating what it looks like to be hungry and to refuse the compromise just to wait for that ultimate person, you know? 
And, and when you saw that video, wasn't it funny, the, the different kids and their responses when they got the gifts? Like, I think it was, <laughs> the girl was like, she was like dancing, right? And then there's a guy who's, who has the gift and he's like kissing it, right? <laughs> right? There's a guy that's a, that definitely in love with a good thing, and it's a good thing. But here's this girl who's like, no, no, I mean, those are good things, but no, 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 no. I want my daddy. I want the ultimate gift. Because only one person can satisfy the soul's hunger, and that's my daddy. <laughs> a beautiful, beautiful illustration of what that looks like. What about you guys? Is that you? I mean, our life is surrounded by good gifts. But those gifts were like, those gifts are good, but only he will ultimately satisfy. Is that you? I I want you to, let's let's go back to Simeon. So Simeon is, uh, he's waiting. And he's waiting, and he's aching, and he's longing. And he's refusing to compromise for lesser pleasures. He wants the Christ. And then one day, he hears the Holy Spirit talking to him. Maybe it was just a gentle whisper. You know, the Holy Spirit does that from time to time. He still does that today. One day, I think he's just doing his thing, and he hears the Holy Spirit's voice really clearly. Drop your plans. Go straight to the temple. I don't know, maybe he had something good planned that day. Cancels his plan, goes straight to the temple. Now, you got to kind of wonder, does he know what he's looking for? You know, does he know what the Messiah is going to look like? Imagine him in the temple, he's looking around, and there's a big burly man with a beard, and the spirit goes, no, no, not him. And then you look around, there's like Johnny, this valiant, you know, soldier, no, no, not him. And then there's this, this elegant politician, the Holy Spirit, no, no, not him. And then he sees maybe in the back, like this crumpled parents with a tiny baby, and then everything inside him resonates as the Spirit says, that's the one, that's the one. You imagine him working his way to the parents, asking for permission to hold the baby. And then what is that like when you've been waiting for something all your life? And again, this might be decades and decades. You're waiting for something all your life, and then finally that thing is right there in front of you. What is that moment going to be like? What was that moment like for him? You know, and when, when, you, when he holds the baby in his arms, I mean, is he realizing who this baby is? Like, what he has in his arms is actually more valuable and precious than the entire universe. And this baby is not just the hope and redemption for their nation, but for the entire world. And it's right there. And he's been waiting for this moment. You know, what I wish I had was like a video camera, you know, because I would love to like video and record his response. Because sometimes, you know, the, 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 the facial expression says way more than what you could say. But what we do have is what he said. And what he said basically is that God... Your servant can now depart in peace because my eyes have seen the Christ. Which is basically saying that this life and seeing this life is actually more valuable than my own life. And this is the single glorious moment of my life. That if you kill me soon after this, I will die a happy man. Have you thought about how you will respond when you see Jesus? Uh, We're going to watch 
one more video of these women and uh, how they responded when they were waiting and aching and longing. Now, the really beautiful thing about th this next video is how they welcomed the husband and the father. And what you see is they welcome with all their heart. And it's a beautiful thing. I want you to take a look. You know, you know in, in preparing this message, I, I watched that video like 12 times. <laughs> I know, and I know this is not the most manliest thing to say, but it's like almost every time I've watched, I've, I've been, I've like, I've like cried. I don't know, maybe it's like I'm missing Reina, or maybe it's the season, I don't know, but it, I don't know, there's something about that that's beautiful. It's just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You guys know that something very similar is going to happen to everyone here? And I don't know if you've thought about that, but have you thought about how you're going to respond when you see Jesus for the first time? Uh, the first time he came as a tiny baby, the second time he comes, he will come as a man. He will come as a God-man. And uh, how would you respond? You know, well, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? I mean, it might happen like when you die and then you stand before him. But you know something? It could actually happen any minute, any minute now. I mean, what's that going to be like? And can I, can I share with you one of my fears, uh, just as, as a pastor who loves, loves you guys and loves this church? Dave, could you stand up? We're just going to act this out a little bit, okay? This is, this is one of my fears, okay? Okay, Dave, you're Jesus. I know. It's, it's, it's going to be hard. It's a, a lot of responsibility right there. Yeah, I get that. And, and let's just say uh, I'm, I'm one of us. This is, this is one of my fears of the church. Okay, let's say it's like, boom, Jesus is there. I'm standing right before Jesus. And it'd be like, Jesus, hi. Hi, Jesus. Hey, there you are. <laughs> hey, guys, Jesus. Jesus, there you are. Handshake. Handshake. I let you can't. Hey, wow, you're here. Okay, that's cool. This is, I'm actually really afraid this is going to happen to people here in our church. Like, Jesus is here. You know, it's, it, it should be the single greatest moment of our life, you know. And, and we're just awkward, you know, because... Because at that moment, what's in here is going to come out. And if, if we're all like caught up in the Egg McMuffin, you know, then, then when he comes, it, it won't be a fitting welcome. You know, it would be embarrassing. Actually, it would be worse than embarrassing. And, and it's, it's Jesus. And we're hungry for him, right? We're hungry for him. But when he comes, and we're so caught up in our things. And it, you, you know why, Dave, you can sit down. Thank you for being, you know, temporary Jesus. Uh, you know why that video YouTube of the little girl got 17 million hits? 17 million. Do you know why? Because the way that she responded was beautiful. It was priceless. And it, it leaves you with this sense of like, man, that dad must have been so honored. And you know something? All they did 
is they were aching and longing for dad. And the moment that dad and husband showed up, everything inside just came out. There is no more fitting welcome for a king than the moment you see him spontaneously. Everything inside just comes out. There's no way, better way to honor uh, our king, Jesus. Do you know how those two women prepared? You know what made them ready? I have one word for you. You know what really made them ready? It was just one word. They were hungry. They were hungry. They were longing. They were aching. They're like, I'm not whole without you. I want you so badly. You know, every day, just aching and longing, Jesus, I'm nothing without you. Come. Come. When you come, I'll be whole. I want you. I want you. I want you. Come. That's, 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 that's the heart that's ready for Jesus. And then when he comes, you don't have to worry about what you're going to say. You don't have to worry about how you should be feeling because what's inside you just comes out. It just comes, like those women, it just came out. It was beautiful. That's supposed to be our lives. And so our call is not to settle for lesser pleasures, but to be hungry for that one great pleasure of being with Jesus. You know, um, during this Christmas season, I don't know if there's a better gift that we can give Jesus than just spending a few moments with him saying, Jesus, I want you. I got good things going on, but they don't ultimately satisfy. I want you. That honors him. But let me, let me take this another step forward. Maybe you're here, you're like, you know something? I don't have much there in my heart. I don't really want him. There's, there's a word of grace for you, which is, you know what makes a person hungry for God? God. And a perfectly acceptable prayer is like, Lord, I'm not hungry for you, but I want to be. I want to be hungry for you. Maybe you're, you're here today, and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. But maybe there's something that we're talking about today, and it resonates with you. You're like, okay, I got my soul, and it's filled with good things. But they don't ultimately satisfy. And I'm just wondering if I was created for something more. And the good news for you is you were created for something more. You were created for Jesus. Are you hungry for the ultimate gift? And today you can say and you can receive the ultimate gift in Jesus. And all you have to do is just come forward and receive communion. And that's your way of saying, I want this ultimate gift. I'm not satisfied with what the world has to offer. I want the ultimate person, Jesus. I receive him.